This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Once again, it's time to gather the gang from Madison High and see what's cooking with our Ms. Brooks. Tonight's episode is entitled Free TV from Sherry's. Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and help stop tooth decay and luster cream shampoo for soft, glamorous, caressable hair bring you our Miss Brooks starring Eve Arden. Once again, for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks, under the direction of Al Lewis. Well, it usually takes a few days, but Saturday inevitably arrives, and when it does, Our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School, gets a chance to sleep late. Yesterday, she didn't join her landlady in the breakfast nook until 10 o'clock. Oh, good morning, Mrs. Davis. Good morning, Connie. How did you sleep last night? Not too well. I have a little cold, and that cat of ours bounced into my room just as I was dozing off. Minerva. But she was only playing with her ball, Connie. I don't mind her playing ball, but I can't handle these night games that go into extra innings. <laughs> Believe me, the next time Minerva keeps me up... Oh, not three... so loud, Connie. She'll hear you. And you know how sensitive she is. <laughs> See... She heard us mentioning her name. Please, Mrs. Davis, I know Minerva's bright, but you're attributing an intelligence to her that she doesn't actually possess. Oh, but she does. I'm sure she recognizes her name. Oh, that's ridiculous. Listen, Minerva. Hi, Minerva. <laughs> there you are. Wait. Here, Charlie. Nice Charlie. Meow. <laughs> How are things, Bessie? <laughs> What's new, Max? <laughs> Minerva doesn't even know whether she's a boy or a girl. Why should she? She's only two years old. There's... <laughs> there are certain things I'd just as soon keep from her until she's older. Me too. And let's start with my nylons. <laughs> Thank goodness I've got this one pair left for my date with Mr. Boynton this afternoon. Oh, do you have a date with Mr. Boynton today? No, but I'm going to suggest it as soon as he can get away from Sherry's department store. Sherry's? Yes, he's pinch hitting for a salesman friend of his who has a dental appointment. But Connie, are teachers permitted to do anything but teach? Oh, of course, Mrs. Davis. Especially if there's no money in it. <laughs> now, I'd better get started if I'm going to go downtown. But, Connie, I have to go to a ladies' aid meeting today, and if we're both out of the house, she'll be all alone. Who'll be all alone? You know. M-I-N-E-R-V-A. Yeah. 
great. Now she can spell. <laughs> we'll only be gone for a few hours. I'm sure she'll be perfectly all right. No, Connie. She hasn't been herself lately, and I just wouldn't feel right if I left her alone. Say, I know what we could do. Harriet Conklin has always been very fond of Minerva. If you could drop her off at their place on your way down to Sherry's... All right, Mrs. Davis. I'll drop Minerva off for you. I wonder who that can be. I know a surefire way to find out. Come in. Hi, Mrs. Davis. And to you, fair flower of the faculty, a thousand salams. Thank you, Walter Denton, and I've had my share, thank you. But to what do we owe the honor of this visit? Oh, I just happened to be driving by when the thought occurred to me that maybe I could give you a lift someplace. After I help you finish breakfast, that is. Well, now that you mention it, you can. I'm going down to Sherry's to pick up Mr. Boynton. Oh, uh, just a minute, Connie. I was about to suggest that you borrow my car for the day. Then you could take Mr. Boynton for a nice ride in the country. Yeah, way out in the country. But, Mrs. Davis, what about you? The ladies' aid meeting isn't very far, Connie. Walter can drop me there, and I can always get a ride home. Mrs. Davis, you've made yourself a deal, and thanks very much. Not at all, dear. The keys are on the table in the hall, right next to your hat and coat. I'm on my way. Will you excuse me, Walter? You go with my blessing, O fairest of the fair. May 10,000 suns shine upon this meeting with your beloved. Thank you, Ahmed. <laughs> on my way out, I'll give your camel a lump of sugar. <laughs> oh, uh, Connie... Aren't you forgetting something? You said you'd drop off that you-know-who at the Conklin's. Oh, sorry, Mrs. Davis. Come on, you-know-who. Oh, isn't that cute? She won't budge and let you call her by name. I know. Let's go, Clyde. Yeah! <laughs> I don't like to hurry you, Walter, but if you'll finish your milk now, I'm rather anxious to get to the meeting. This being the first of the month, it's rather an important one. Say, you're right. Today is April 1st, April Fool's Day. Gosh, I better get busy. I haven't even thought of a way to plague our beloved principal. You better leave Mr. Conklin alone, Walter. Oh, not a chance. Let's see now. He's crazy about television, but so far he's been too tight to spring for a set. Oh, wait. It's coming. It's coming. A real wild goose chase. Finish your milk, dear. As soon as I get my hat and primp up a bit, I'll be ready to go. Oh, take your time, Mrs. Davis. I got a phone call to make anyway. Here we are. First, I'll tie this handkerchief around the mouthpiece. There. Osgood Conklin speaking. Be brief, please. <laughs> Conklin, this is the Lucky Gold Mine program calling. Wallace Bacon, your spendthrift quizmaster on this end. Bacon? I don't know any Wallace Bacon. I don't believe in wasting my time in talking on the phone to people who obviously don't know the Lucky Gold Mine program. <laughs> if you answer one question correctly, Mr. Conklin, we will present to you a fabulous television set. A television set? Oh, thank you, thank you. An admiral television set with a crystal clear 16-inch screen. Good, good, good. <laughs> However, Mr. Conklin, since today is Saturday and there are no deliveries, you'll have to go down to Sherry's department store and pick it up. I'll go, I'll go. <laughs> what is the question, sir? Here it is, ready. In the popular song, Call of the Wild Goose, 
Can you give me the words of the first line? Whose melody goes? Do you know those words, Mr. Conklin? I must go where the wild goose goes. You certainly will. (laughs) That is congratulations, Mr. Conklin. The television set is yours. I should never have let your mother take the car to that ladies' aid meeting, Harriet. Now I'm stranded. A beautiful television set waiting for me at Cherry's, and I'm unable to pick it up. What's your hurry, Daddy? You can pick it up later. But there's a program on today that I'm particularly interested in. Maybe someone else could pick it up for me. I wonder who I could get. Oh, I'll get it. I'll get it. Hello, Mr. Conklin. Well, if it isn't Miss Brooks, come in, my dear. Uh, But leave your coat on. I just dropped by to leave our cat (laughs) with Harriet for the afternoon. Miss Brooks? Oh, you brought Minerva. Yeah. Well, uh, take the beast into the kitchen, Harriet. Miss Brooks and I have something to talk over. Yes, Daddy. Come on, Minerva. I'll give you a nice bowl of milk. Yeah. <laughs> Miss Brooks. I will come right to the point. Have you any means of transportation? Yes, sir. Mrs. Davis loaned me her car. Did she now? <laughs> yes, sir. As a matter of fact, I just stopped by here on my way to Sherry's department store. You are so right. Hmm? Miss <laughs> Brooks, you are now looking at the fortunate winner of a quiz contest. At this very moment, a brand new television set is waiting for me at Sherry's department store. My. And who do you think is going to pick it up for me? Uh, Western Union? No. The Wells Fargo people? <laughs> no. No, the person I had in mind is the one member of my faculty whom I most admire, respect, and cherish. Oh, you're going yourself? (laughs) No, no, my car isn't home. Moreover, I must wait here for a call from Mr. Stone. The president of our board of education wants to consult me about his speech. Speech? Yes, he's addressing the convicts at the dedication of the new library at the county jail. It's being televised this afternoon, Miss Brooks, and I'm most eager to have my set promptly installed. Oh, but Mr. Conklin, I'm meeting someone at Cherry's. That is why I, I was delighted when you so graciously volunteered to pick it up for me. I volunteered? Well, forgive me, Mr. Conklin, but I didn't hear a word I said. <laughs> oh? Well, you said, and I quote, I'll be most happy to pick it up for you, Mr. Conklin. But, sir, and I... And as you spoke, you looked squarely into the eyes of your beloved principal. That self-same principle with whom you come in daily contact and whose pleasure or displeasure determines whether your life in the hallowed halls of Madison High shall be bearable or unbearable. I repeat, I'll be most happy to pick it up for you, Mr. Carter. I left Mr. Conklin, I drove down to Sherry's department store to find out about his prize. But when I entered the radio and television department, I saw Mr. Boynton standing by a cash register. Immediately, I forgot about Mr. Conklin's prize and concentrated on mine. (laughs) As I approached him, Mr. Boynton seemed quite preoccupied. Yes, madam, is there something I can do for you? Plenty, but not in front of all these people. (laughs) 
Forgive me for not recognizing you. This sort of work is a little out of my line, but what are you doing here? Just shopping. But if you're only filling in for your friend for half a day, you will be free all afternoon, won't you? Oh, yes, I will. I've just got a little errand to attend to, and then I'll be free, too. Oh, really? What are you going to do? Oh, I don't know. I thought I might run down to the poultry market and watch them pluck chickens. <laughs> Actually, Mr. Boynton, I've borrowed Mrs. Davis's car for the day, and I thought maybe we could take a ride out in the country together. Oh, fine. Well, while we're waiting, I'll show you around. There are some wonderful new television sets in. Oh, I'm glad you reminded me. Mr. Conklin asked me to pick up his set and bring it home to him. Oh, now, don't tell me he finally broke down and bought one. No, he won it in a radio quiz. They called him this morning, he said. Oh, what a break for him. Where's the set supposed to be? Right here. Haven't you been notified about it? Not yet. Maybe there's a memo on my desk. I'll look as soon as I put these tubes up on that shelf over there. Oh, I'll put the tubes away for you. we better find out about Mr. Conklin's set right away. All right, Miss Brooks. Uh, have you got something to carry the tubes in? There are quite a few of them. I'll just put them in my bag. Now you run along. Well, the desk is just three aisles down. If any customers come by, just tell them I'll be back in a minute. I will, Mr. Boynton. Six carpet sweepers, two floor glad irons. Four vacuum cleaners. Oh, excuse me, Mr. Hurley. You're checking the merchandise again? Good store detective can't be too careful. It's almost automatic with me by now. I'm practically a walking inventory. Well, uh, there's nothing missing from my department. See you later, Mr. Hurley. I've got to look for something. Okay. Eight portable radios. Nine record players. Now, if I could just get these two more tubes in this bag, I could save myself a trip. Too bad that bag isn't larger. Maybe you'd get a piano in there. <laughs> what? Oh, yes. These big bags do come in handy sometimes, don't they? I'm sure they do. Perhaps I'd better introduce myself. I'm R.J. Hurley, the store detective here. What are you doing with those tubes, young woman? These? Why, I'm just going to put them away on that shelf. Uh, hi, Miss Brooks. Oh, oh, hello, Hurley. Hello, Boynton. Do you know this woman? Oh, certainly. She's Miss Brooks. I'm glad to hear it. Sorry I thought what I thought. But suspicion is my business, you might say. Well, good day, folks. Oh, he's quite a character. But look here, Miss Brooks. I found this note on my desk addressed to Mr. Conklin. Let's see. Here. It says, congratulations, Mr. Conklin, but the special set you have won will have to be picked up at Sherry's downtown warehouse. Continued good luck, signed Wallace Bacon, Quizmaster. The warehouse? That's quite a ways from here, Miss Brooks. You couldn't handle the set by yourself. Well, I promised Mr. Conklin I'd get it for him, no, though. No, wait a minute. One of the kids from school is working in the stock room on this floor, Stretch Snodgrass. Oh, the brain. <laughs> I'll get him to keep an eye on the department until my friend gets back, and I'll go along and help you deliver Mr. Conklin's television set. Great, Mr. Boynton. And as soon as we've done that, we can have the rest of the day to ourselves. Right. Now let's walk over to the stock room and get Stretch. Are you ready, Miss Brooks? Mr. Boynton, I was born ready. <laughs> funny, the warehouse seems deserted, and the door is locked. Well, let's see. Say, say, what's this? There's a note sticking out. A note? Yeah, it says, Dear Osgood Conklin, please forgive this oversight, but the warehouse is closed on Saturdays. If you'll return to Sherry's, you'll find your television set there, signed Wallace Bacon. Oh, for heaven's sake, we'll never get out to the country. Well, what do we do now? Drive back to the store? No, let's be different. Let's walk and carry the car on our shoulders. <laughs> Oh, 
Come on over to the television department, Miss Brooks. Maybe Stretch Snodgrass knows something about this. Maybe so. He must know something about something. Oh, Miss Brooks. Hiya, Mr. Boynton. What do you know? Oh, not very much, I'm afraid. Me either. You're just modest. <laughs> We're supposed to pick up a television set here that Mr. Conklin won this morning. Has the store manager mentioned it to you, Stretch? No, ma'am. I haven't seen the manager all morning. And I didn't receive no memo Miranda on it, neither. No what? Memo Miranda. <laughs> but I'll go take a look in the stockroom. Maybe you'd shut up there while I was out here. And if Memo Miranda didn't show up, maybe Carmen Miranda dropped in. <laughs> no, no, wait. We, we've got to get this thing straightened out, Miss Brooks. Stretch, you go into the stockroom and see if they know anything about it in there. Yes, sir. I'll be back in a jaffy. <laughs> yes, Stretch, do hurry up. Hurry up. <laughs> look, Mr. Boynton, we can't keep Mr. Conklin waiting any longer. Why don't we just take one of these floor models to him? Between us, we could handle it easily. There's a freight elevator right over there. But, Miss Brooks, we have no authorization. Oh, it's bound to come through sooner or later. If Mr. Conklin doesn't get that set today, there'll be no living with him for the rest of the semester. Maybe you're right. I know I'm right. Now, let's see. Which one should we take? Well, they only have five models on display. Here's a nice one over here. Right. Let's roll it into the elevator. Three speed queen washing machines. One, two, three. Five television sets. One, two, three, four. Four. That's funny. I haven't seen any customers in here in an hour. I'd better report this to the store manager right away. Although with a new man in the department, anything could happen. Probably just a mix. Oh, Miss Brooks, I... Miss Brooks. Mr. Boynton. Looks funny they must have left. Gosh, Mr. Conklin will be burning up if you don't get that set he wants. I know. I'll bring one of these floor models over to him. At least that'll keep Miss Brooks out of a jam. Go back and make sure, he says. <laughs> make sure I can count up to four is what he means. All right, Mr. Store Manager, here goes. Four television sets. One, two, three, four. <laughs> One, two, three. <laughs> Come along, Denton. We've got to get that set in a hurry. Ah, uh, here's the television department. But, Mr. Conklin, maybe you ought to think this thing over. Take your time before... But thanks to Miss Brooks, I have very little time left. Where she's disappeared, do I'll never know. But, sir, maybe this whole thing is a mistake. You can't just take a television set off the floor of a store without asking somebody. Well, there's no one to ask. I was told to pick it up here, and that's just what I'm going to do. Here, if it'll make you feel any better, I'll sign this sales slip and leave it on the counter. Received of Jerry's department store... Television set. Sign, Osgood Conklin. How could somebody steal a television set, he says. Well, they didn't steal one, they stole two. Okay, so count the remaining three again, he says. Okay, so I'll count. One, two... Oh, come on! <laughs> Wait a minute. What's this? Received a Sherry's department store... Television set signed Osgood Conklin. Now that's something new. A crook who leaves a receipt. <laughs> Daddy was pretty angry when he made Walter drive him downtown to look for you, Miss Brooks. But now that you and Mr. Boynton have brought this television set, I'm sure everything will be all right. How long have they been gone, Harriet? About a half hour. They should be back any minute. Oh, maybe that's Mr. Conklin now. I'll get it. I've got some fast apologizing to do. Let's all go. 
Oh, hi, Miss Brooks. Look what I brung. The television set Mr. Cotton won. Oh, no. Cheapers. Good gravy. Watch your language. <laughs> it's on casting, see? Well, where'll I put it? Put it next to this other set. Mr. Conklin can use them for bookends. <laughs> Miss Brooks and Mr. Boynton brought the set that Daddy won. You had no right to take that one from the store. Well, that'll be reported as stolen. Holy cow. I'm a fugitive. As guilty as you are. Meet Connie Brooks, girl Dillinger. <laughs> well, this is serious, Miss Brooks. What are we going to do with these two sets? Let's turn them on. Maybe hop along Cassidy. will ride one of them back to Sherry. <laughs> uh, hold it steady, Denton. Steady. Yes, there, there we are. Yeah, here we go. Oh, there. There we are. Oh, hello, everybody. Well, I had to get it myself, but here's the television set I won. Oh, no. Jeepers. Good gravy. Watch your language. <laughs> I'd like to tell you I'll that I'll talk to you later, Miss Brooks. Right now, I want to find a likely spot to string the aerial. Come out to the porch with me, Denton. But, Mr. Conklin, don't you think you better Oh, think... stop jabbering. On second thought, you'd better stay in here. You come with me, Boynton. Yes, sir. You too, Harriet. And we may need your long arms, Stretch. You can have them, Mr. Conklin. Yeah. <laughs> We've got to hurry if we're going to hook this up in time to see Mr. Stone dedicate that library at the county jail. We're Daddy. You don't know anything about this, Walter, but we're in a terrible jam. We've already brought two other television sets over from Sherry's, and Mr. Conklin's only entitled to one. I've got some depressing news for you, Miss Brooks. He's not entitled to any. What? That quiz program that called him up was just an April Fool joke. April Fool? But who would play such a monstrous joke? Shake hands with the head monster. <laughs> Walter, you didn't. Well, I only wanted to send Mr. Conklin on a wild goose chase. Now, I've got news for you, Walter. Shake hands with a wild goose. <laughs> well, thanks for the assistance, folks. Now, let's see where we'll place the set. Ah, this is a good spot right between these other two sets. I, uh, I may not be an interior decorator, but I do have an eye for symmetry. When I see a nice balance... Between these other two sets! <laughs> Miss Brooks, what are these other two sets doing in my living room? They just came in to watch the television. <laughs> I tried to tell you, sir, that Miss Brooks and I brought one over before. And I brought one over right after that, Mr. Conklin, because I didn't know that they brought one over any more than you knew that they brought one over, or I brought you're, one you're over. You're all so quiet! <laughs> Am I to understand that two of these television sets have been stolen? At least. <laughs> then what's the store going to do when they find out that I have taken a third one? Does that answer your question? Look, there's a police car stopping in front of the house. I just remembered. I gotta go home and mow the lawn. Then where you are, You're in this as deep as we are. Deeper. <laughs> Don't move, anybody. Mr. Hurley. Well, if it isn't Miss Brooks, the little lady with the big bag. <laughs> now, Brooks, what's your story? My story? You heard me. Start singing. I must go where the wild goose goes. But the wild goose goes. Just, 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 just a moment. <laughs> May I ask the meaning of this outrageous and illegal invasion of my privacy? 
Oh, you must be the brains of the mob. <laughs> this mob has, has no brains. <laughs> I mean, this is no mob. You don't count television sets. There are very few of us here. These sets are all the evidence I need. And as this is your house, Mr. Conklin, you're the only one who'll have to come with me to the county jail. Jail? But you can't do that. Miss Brooks, do something. Say something. So long. (laughs) But I don't want to go down there alone. Mr. Boynton, Miss Brooks, you you can't let me go alone. You've got to come with me to the county jail. Oh, that won't be necessary, Mr. Conklin. Not necessary? No, we can watch you on television in 15 minutes. (laughs) And now, once again, here is our Miss Brooks. Well, Harriet Conklin corroborated her father's story that he'd been told he won a radio and a quiz contest. Mr. Hurley then took the three sets back to Sherry's and left a relieved but aggravated Mr. Conklin sitting in his living room. But if it wasn't Wallace Bacon on the phone, I was the victim of an outrageous hoax. It was only a little April Fool joke, Mr. Conklin. Oh, it was. But who played it on me, Miss Brooks? That I really can't say. You really can't, Miss Brooks? Of course not, Walter. We April Fools have to stick together. Next week, tune in to another Our Miss Brooks show brought to you by Luster Cream Shampoo for soft, glamorous, caressable hair and Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and help stop tooth decay. Our Miss Brooks, starring E. Barton, is produced by Larry Burns, written by Al Lewis, with Joe Quillen and Lester White and the music of Wilbur Hatch under the direction of Maurice Carlton. Mr. Boynton is played by Jeff Chandler, Mr. Conklin by Gail Gordon. Others in tonight's cast were Jane Morgan, Dick Crenna, Gloria McMillan, Leonard Smith, and Willard Waterman. Join the American Cancer Society's 1950 Cancer Crusade. 22 million Americans now living will die of cancer unless the present cancer death rate is reduced. Send your contribution now to the American Cancer Society, care of your local post office. Let's keep the fight going. For mystery liberally sprinkled with laughs, listen to Mr. and Mrs. North, the exciting, fun-packed adventures of an amateur detective and his beautiful wife. Tune in Tuesday evening over most of these same stations. And be with us again next week at the same time for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Bob Lamont speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. In doing some research for tonight's episode of Martin and Lewis, I found this story about their final performance. The date was July 25th of 1956, and the place was the world-famous Copacabana nightclub in New York City. Dean Martin, the suave, smooth baritone singer, and his hilarious comedy partner, Jerry Lewis, were about to go on stage for the 2.30 a.m. show. 
It was to be their last of three shows that night and also the final appearance of the most popular comedy team in the history of show business. But why would such a hugely successful partnership possibly want to split up? Well, the common perception was that Dean was lazy. He wanted to play golf and relax. And Jerry was a fiercely driven workaholic, never wanting to stop performing. Dean was quite simply sick and tired of being known as just another straight man and even a stooge for his extremely talented partner. He had grown to hate the Martin and Lewis films, claiming he'd played an idiot in all of them. The reviews for boys' movies, TV shows, and nightclub appearances were startlingly similar. While all the critics raved over Jerry's brilliant comedy, Dean was mostly looked on as a marginally talented afterthought. And so after wrapping up filming on their final movie, they announced to a shocked public that they were going to split up and go their separate ways. Every celebrity in show business was there. It was to be the biggest night in the glorious history of the Copacabana nightclub. And before Dean and Jerry came on stage, the beautiful Copac showgirls danced across the stage in the introduction routine. Jerry noticed that the girls had tears in their eyes and were crying as they paraded by him. Jerry, as usual, came on stage first, did his comedy shtick, and introduced my partner, Dean Martin. Well, Dean did his usual three songs. Interestingly, the only audience member Dean and Jerry called up on stage that night was their mutual friend, Sammy Davis Jr. Then the two tore up the place with their usual hysterical act, Dean attempting to sing and being interrupted by Jerry, Dean standing off to the side while Jerry mugged, and Dean playing straight man, and Jerry getting most of the laughs. And finally then, the two sang the songs, Partners, from the previous movie they'd appeared in. The crowd went berserk, applauding, whistling, roaring, standing. Dean and Jerry wept openly and gave each other a hug. That night, Jerry had to sleep under sedation. Dean's wife was to say that when he came home, he watched some TV, and she made them both fried egg sandwiches. The last night they appeared together. Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. And now, another episode from a happier time. Broadcasting Company brings you transcribed the Martin and Lewis Show. Our guest tonight, Jane Russell, featuring Flo McMichael, Sheldon Leonard, then Alexander Dix to Beal and his orchestra, and starring Dean Martin. That old black magic has been its spell. That old black magic. That you weave so well. And Jerry Lewis. Ah, yes. And once you had me in your spell, my darling. Remember that summer that we fell in love? Every night we'd go to the drive-in theater and neck. Until that terrible evening when the manager told us we'd have to get a car. Well, as many of you know, Dean and Jerry have bought a garage, which they're converting into a nightclub. With the opening night only two weeks away, we find them in their office, hopelessly entangled in a mass of details and unpaid bills. Ah, Jerry, where did that secretary go to? Florence sure has these bills in an awful mess. Why don't you stop that daydream and help me try to straighten things out here? I can't help daydreaming, Dean. Gee, in another week, the club will be open and the money will start rolling in. Boy, will we be rich. Every day I'll drive out to my golf course... Play nine holes, kiss my caddy. Play another nine holes, 
kiss my caddy? Oh, wait a minute, Jerry. Kiss your caddy? Sure. I'll be so rich, I'll have Ava Gardner carrying my clubs for me. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. And tell me, Allie, what's new with Rita? Oh, now, look, if you aren't going to help, Jerry, at least find Florence for me. What a secretary. Where is she, anyway? I don't know, but don't bawl her out, Dean. I think she's about ready to quit anyway. Remember the job we got into the last time she quit? Yeah, we didn't know whether we were standing on our heads or what. Maybe you didn't know, but I knew what I was doing. I was standing on my head. (laughs) Ah, Jerry, don't be an imbecile. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm an imbecile. Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, of course not. See, you're just as imbecilly as I am. (laughs) Jerry, you might as well face it. We're helpless without... Hello, Mr. Martin. Hello, Mr. Lewis. Now, Florence, where have you been? Well, uh, the decorator's hanging some drapes out in the club, and I was just giving him some hints. Oh, that's good. Did he follow him? No. He just went on hanging the drapes. Florence, I don't want you to think that I'm bawling you out about your work here in the office, but about the checks you've written, let's see, they total $784. Now, how much do we have in the bank to cover the checks? 97 cents. <laughs> you see, Dean, it just balances. <laughs> well, this kid belongs in Congress. All right, Dean, I get it. You're mad at me. Jerry, I'm not mad at you. Oh, yes, you are. Oh, stop that. What makes you think I'm mad at you? I don't see me in your eyes anymore. Well, don't blame me. I told you to get a haircut. I know who you're both mad at. Me. You're hinting that I don't keep your books right, that I'm losing your money. Now, Florence. And that I'm not efficient. The next thing I know, you'll be saying nasty things to me. But, Florence, we're your friends. You see? Oh, come on, (laughs) Betty Davis, please. We appreciate you, Florence, really. This is the first time your books have ever been in the red. Oh, now you're accusing me of being a communist. (laughs) That doesn't, I'm quitting goodbye. Gee, Dean, now we are sunk. The opening of our club is only two weeks off, and we're counting on a secretary to help us. Everything seems to be going against us, and we're going to lose all the money we've invested in the club. What? Everything seems to be going against us, and we're going to lose all the money we've invested in the club. Now, Jerry. I don't want anything like it every time we try to have the big Now, smile. Go ahead, smile. No. Now, blow your nose. No. Now, there's nothing to be upset about. All we got to do to get a new secretary is to put an ad in the paper. And ask for a new secretary? Sure. Oh, boy. A new secretary. Hey, I got it. How's this? Wanted. Beautiful, luscious young girl to be secretary to beautiful, luscious young executive. Object? To set a new record for the around the desk chase. (laughs) It's not going to be anything like that, Jerry. I don't want an attractive girl who will keep your mind off of work. The ad should read like this. Wanted. Efficient secretary. Must be plain looking. Dressed simply. Prefer a girl with glasses. Now, go ahead. Run on down to the paper with that right away. Go ahead. Put it in the paper. Hurry up. Me run down? Yeah. What about you? I'm too run down as it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too run down as it is. <laughs> oh, that was a swifty. 
Jerry, I'd be glad to take the ad to the paper, but uh, right now I've got to rehearse that production number we planned, remember? Oh, sure. How did that go again? Your lips tell me no, no, but there's murine in your eyes. <laughs> Sing it, old man. Your lips tell me no, no, but there's yes, yes in your eyes. I've been missing your kissing just because I wasn't wise. I'll stop my scheming and dreaming because I realize your lips tell me no, no, but there's yes, yes in your eyes. Come on over here, honey. I ain't gonna hurt you. Let me talk to you. Your lips tell me no, no. But there's yes, yes. Right in your eyes. Well, I've been missing all your kissing. Just because I wasn't wise. Well, I stop my scheming, stop my dreaming, cause I just realized well, your lips tell me no, no, but there's yes, yes in your Dean and Jerry are hoping for some response to their ad for a secretary. On the other side of town, a leading movie producer is awaiting a conference with his star, Miss Jane Russell. Come in. You uh, wanted to see me, Mr. Johnson? Oh, yes. Come in, Jane. Well, Jane, I'll come right to the point. It's about your next picture. You know, you were such a success in that picture, The Pale Face. How would you like to do another picture with Bob Hope? Bob Hope? Yes, Bob Hope. Oh, please, Mr. Johnson. Don't they need a leading lady for Mighty Joe Young? <laughs> now, look, the studio's bought a story in which you play the part of a private secretary. I think mm-hmm. you should take a real job as a secretary for a couple of weeks to get the feel of the part. But where can I get a job as a secretary? Well, I've got the answer to that, Jane. Now, here in the paper, it says, um, wanted, efficient secretary, must be plain-looking, dress simply, prefer girl with glasses. You think that describes me? <laughs> of course not. But we're going to have the makeup department braid your hair in pigtails and give you some horn-rimmed glasses. Well, okay, Mr. Johnson. Oh, by the way, who will I be working for? Well, the name in the ad just says Martin and Lewis. Martin and Lewis? Mm-hmm. I better pick up some track shoes, too. <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, here's the address, Jane. And be sure you disguise yourself enough so that no one will recognize you as Jane Russell. Hmm. You know, this could be really fun. I, uh, I guarantee you, they'll never recognize me. Well, Jerry, our ad for a new secretary came out in this morning's paper, and I hope we get some results soon. We've got lots of work to do if we ever expect to open our nightclub in two weeks. Yeah, I'm really excited. 
I know we asked for a plain-looking girl, but wouldn't it be wonderful if we got a beautiful girl with dreamy blue eyes, luscious lips, and... Gee, maybe that's her now. Come in. Here I am. (laughs) (laughs) What's the matter, kid? I was expecting a glass of champagne and I end up with a bucket of Clorox. (laughs) Well, bottoms up. Sophie, what brings you over here? Well, I just got this morning's paper And I see where you guys are advertising for a secretary Oh, no, your eyes may be blue But they're not that dreamy No, I wasn't talking about me, kid I just thought that maybe I could help you boys out You see, I happen to know a few girls Who could uh, handle this job Oh, you do? Yeah, yeah, I do I'll uh, (laughs) just thumb through my address book here And I'll see what I can find for you Well, nothing under the A's. Good idea, Sophie. Maybe I ought to look at my address book for secretary. Wait a minute. I'll thumb through mine. (laughs) Well, kid, you find any names? Yes, but mother doesn't need the work. (laughs) Now, let's get back to my address book, hey? Uh, Now, here on uh, page 312, volume 4, the uh, cute little number, name of reader. Yeah, reader, five feet two... Red hair and D I T B. D I T B? Yeah. Dynamite in the balcony. <laughs> well, uh, why, what's this one down here? Elaine. O M H G. Yes. O M H G. Does that stand for Oomphy Miss Heavenly Gam? No. Old man has gun. <laughs> Well, let's see. Here's uh, Joanne. There's uh, Doris, Rose, June, Mary, Sam. Sam. Yeah. Oh, well, that's just a nickname. Paul. <laughs> Full name is Samuel. We have here uh, Diane. Oh, Evelyn, say. Now, that Evelyn, that might be a very good secretary for you guys. Yeah, she's not working right now either. Well, uh, how's her shorthand? Well, I don't know, but her legs are terrific. (laughs) See, she uh, used to be a bubble dancer. She used to do a terrific dance, you know, but then one night there was an awful thing happened. But what was? Well, you see, she was dancing, dancing to the tune of Pop Goes the Weasel. Yeah? She got a bubble tune near a ringside table and some weasel popped it. Now, you, you've got the wrong idea, Sophie. We don't want a cute secretary who'll distract us from our work. We want a very plain, efficient secretary. Oh, well, if that's what you want, you are really getting it. <laughs> Look, coming up the walk there. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look at her, Dean. Pigtails, business suit, horn-rimmed glasses, no makeup. She looks like Neptune's daughter at low tide. <laughs> 
Oh, boys, this is your problem. I will see you later. Gee, Dean, you would have wanted to want to hire a plain-looking girl, but this girl who's coming is too homely. I better tell her the job is all filled. Come in. Uh, how do you do? I'm looking for Martin and Lewis. You got the wrong address, lady. Well, I'm an Abner. <laughs> oh, Jerry. Come on in, miss. I suppose you're here in answer to our ad. Yes, you uh, you advertise for a plain-looking girl with glasses, so uh, here I am. Well, all right. Now, uh, your name is... Uh... Jane Russ... Um, Hockenhaven. Hockenhaven? That's right. Well, I guess if someone had to be named Hockenhaven, it sure ought to be you. <laughs> Look, um, if you don't want to call me by my full name, you can just use my nickname. What's that? Sam. <laughs> Say, miss, tell me one thing. Yes? Are you for real? <laughs> Miss, I, I think I ought to warn you. We're opening a nightclub in two weeks, and there's a lot of work to do. Yeah, and you probably won't like this job at all. It, it, it's awful hard. Uh, 24 hours a day, going at top speed. Oh, I don't think I'll mind. Oh, but I'm a tough boss. I'm a dynamo. Why, why I don't think anything of working my fingers right down to my secretary's bones. <laughs> you know, I... Uh... You'll have to forgive my partner, miss. He had a very tough time last night. He was thinking. He was thinking? Yeah, and today he's got a Charlie horse in the head. Look here, Dean Martin. I don't have to stand around here and have you tolerate me. No? Absolutely not. I can always sit down, you know. Look, Miss Hockenhaven, I think you'll do fine for this job. Thank you. Now, wait a minute, Dean. Don't let this poor girl accept before she knows what she's getting into. Oh, I don't think I'll mind, really, but uh, what are my duties? Well, you answer the phone, sharpen the pencils, type the letters, fill the wastebaskets, keep the books, empty the cash register, file the mail, mail the files, wash my socks, hoist the manzo, lift that barge, tote that bail, and you work from nine to five, eight hours every day except Saturday, which is 31. <laughs> now, never mind trying to discourage her anymore, Jerry. Miss Hockenhaven, you're hired. <laughs> well, okay, I guess Here, Miss Hockenhaven, let me take your bag uh, Gee, it's so heavy What have you got in it? Track shoes <laughs> Well, now that we've got a secretary again You better get to work, Jerry The musicians are all set up there on the bandstand So, you know, to rehearse that number I'm going to sing for opening show You mind? Uh, come on. Oh, oh, gee, gee, I I'd love to hear you sing, Mr. Martin. Before we start in our work, couldn't we listen to you? I think you're wonderful. Ah, you're just saying that to make me feel good. It sure worked. <laughs> the song's called Room Full of Roses, and it goes something like this. <laughs> If I sent a rose to you For every time you made me blue You'd have a room full of roses If I sent a rose of white for every time I cried all night, you'd have a room full of roses. 
took the petals and you tore them all apart. You'd be tearing at the roses just the way you tore my heart. If someday you are feeling blue and you could send some roses too, well, I don't want a roof full of roses. I just want my arms full of you. And if you took the petals and you tore them all apart, you'd be tearing at the roses just the way you tore my heart. If someday you are feeling blue, And you could send some roses too. Well, I don't want a room full of roses. I just want my arms full Letting me listen to you rehearse, Mr. Martin. I loved it. Oh, thanks. And uh, I, I got to go check on the drapes and the decorations that the workmen are putting up around the dance floor now. Don't you worry about a thing, Miss Hockenhaven. Jerry will show you exactly what to do. Okay, Dean. See you later. How do you like that, Dean? He hires a homely secretary and then leaves me all alone with her. I'll show her. Well, miss, guess we better get to work. That's our motto around this office. Work, work, work. More work. You got to continue to work. And we work a little harder and a little harder. We get things accomplished and we work and work. And we work some more. And then we work. And we work a little more and work, work, work. Well, okay, let's get started. I can't. I just wore myself out. <laughs> Mr. Lewis, are you sure you know what you're doing? Do I know what I'm doing? Listen, brother. Now, you mean sister, don't you? I'm sure that nobody'd ever mistake me for their brother. I would, but I'm only 23 years old. What do I know? <laughs> Now, I suppose you know all about typing, Miss. Well, uh, no, no, I'm not too familiar with typing. There's nothing to it. I'll show you. Come over to the desk here. See, you just bend over the typewriter like this, and you go... That's pretty good, huh? Yeah, I'll say. But doesn't that hurt your nose? <laughs> Now, wait a minute. You're the one who's supposed to type anyhow. Now, just sit down there and I'll dictate a letter. Ready? Yes, sir. Dear sir, my laundry came back this week with all the buttons missing from my pajamas. If this happens again, I'm going to sue. Because if our house catches on fire and I have to run out, oh. <laughs> Now, did you get that? Just four words of it. What are they? Are you for real? <laughs> 
Why, when a person's for real, it means they're alive and made out of flesh and blood and breathing and living. And as you can see, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, well, I missed that question. Can I stand by for the jackpot? <laughs> okay, put that letter in an envelope and get it out in the first mail. Come in. Who is it? Hello, Mr. Lewis. Lawrence, it's you. Yes, it's me. Then you've come back? Yes, I've come back. Well, how are things in Capistrano? <laughs> Mr. Lewis, I couldn't leave you and Mr. Martin helpless, so I came back to go to work. But Florence, we replaced you with Miss, uh, Miss, uh, Miss Hockenhaven. You replaced me with her? Yes, she's very efficient. Well, all right, if you prefer efficiency to beauty and oh. <laughs> now, just wait a minute. Well, I'm sorry, honey. I wouldn't hurt your feelings for the world. After all, it isn't your fault if you're the mousy type. <laughs> the mousy type? Now, listen, you just well, a minute. Well, I want to... Girls, 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 please stop it. I can't blame you for fighting over me, but believe me, I'm worth it. <laughs> You do need the job, you poor girl. Those glasses and those pigtails. Why, when I see a girl like you and then look in the mirror and see myself, I say, Oh, Florence, you gorgeous dolly, you. <laughs> hey, you're pretty happy with yourself, aren't you, honey? Sure. Florence is lovely. She's engaged. She smokes talcum powder. <laughs> Mr. Lewis, well, if you two think you can take my job away from me this easy, you're mistaken. I'm going out and talk to Mr. Martin. Gee, she's pretty sought me, ain't she? Sought you? Why, Mr. Lewis, you don't understand anything about a woman. She doesn't want the job half as much as she wants to be around you. Well, Natch, after all, can you blame her? Why, I've been out with Lana Turner, Ava Gardner, Linda Darnell, Jane Russell. Uh, you've been out with Jane Russell? Yeah. Sort of surprised you, didn't I? <laughs> you sure did. Oh, boy, what I could tell you about that Janie baby. <laughs> well, please do tell me about Janie baby. <laughs> is, she, is she really pretty? Oh, she's gorgeous. You know, I've heard that she's actually sort of plain looking, that uh, you'd never even notice her in a crowd. That's really silly. Why, I'd know Jane Russell if I were within a hundred yards of her. Blindfolded. <laughs> you really are clever, aren't you? <laughs> but you know, I'm glad to hear that she's so pretty because a few people have told me that I look a little bit like her. You? <laughs> Look like Jane Russell. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> well, don't you think that I look even a little bit like her? After all, at least we're both girls. Sure. And Stanley Steamers and Cadillacs are both automobiles. But what a difference on our way up the Mulholland Drive. <laughs> oh, brother. Now, wait a minute. This has gone far enough. You've never parked on Mulholland Drive with Jane Russell. Don't kid yourself. Why, the last time we were up there, she hugged me and kissed me. And she even whispered in my ear that I'm the only man in her life. <sighs> Jerry, I'm Jane Russell. Imagine me. The only man in her life. Jerry, Jerry, I said, I'm Jane Russell. Well, 
Which way to Boys Town? <laughs> nah, now, wait a minute. You scared me so much, I almost believed you for a second. Dean, come in here. It's pretty warm in here, miss, but you'll be all right in a few minutes. Dean, hurry! Now, stay on your own side of the desk and just take it easy. Dean! Jerry, what's the matter? Miss Hockenhaven thinks she's Jane Russell. It's so warm in here, the heat must have gone through her head. All right, all right, I can show you all. I'll fluff out my hair, and I'll take off my glasses and put on a little lipstick. There. Why, it is Jane Russell. Gee. No wonder I thought it was warm in here. (laughs) But, uh, Miss Russell, I don't understand this at all. Well, the studio wanted me to get some experience as a secretary for my next picture, so they talked me into putting on this disguise and applying for the job. Gee, Dean. How do you like that? I was trying to make her work so hard she'd quit the job, and I stood right here in front of her and bragged about having dates with Jane Russell. And I told her how awful she looked. I was complaining about you hiring an ugly girl, and all the time you'd really hired Jane Russell. And, and Dean? What? Boy, did she make a fool out of you. Well, I finally got everything squared around, Jerry. I apologized to Jane Russell before she left, and I finally got Florence to take her old job back. Gee, I'm sorry I caused you so much trouble, Dean. Oh, that's all right. The only thing I regret is that you told Jane Russell all those fibs. The idea, standing right there in front of her and bragging about having a date with her and taking her up on Mulholland Drive. Gee, Dean, I didn't mean to lie. I mean, I didn't mean to lie. I didn't lie, that is... I mean, I didn't know I was lying because I thought that she was... Well, you see, it's dark up there on Mulholland Drive, and she said, Ah, Dean, let's face it. Face what? Some girl's been making an awful fool out of me, too. (laughs) Good night, folks, and thank you, Miss Jane Russell. Good night, everybody. Show transcribed in Hollywood is produced by Robert L. Redd and written by Ray Allen and Dick McKnight with Cy Rose and Mort Lockman. Next week, our guest will be Cesar Romero. Jane Russell can soon be seen in the Howard Hughes production, The Outlaw. Now, here's a reminder tomorrow night's wonderful lineup of NBC attractions includes The Adventures of Archie Andrews, Henry Morgan, and Mr. District Attorney. This is Ben Alexander suggesting you tune in to your NBC station each Tuesday evening at the same hour for the Martin and Lewis Show. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you hear next week for more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer of Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.